It's a blessing to uh, be able to open the Word with you this evening. And I uh, just want to make sure this uh, clicker works here then. We're in Psalm 26. I'd like to turn there. Psalm 26. All right. And while you are, let me just share uh, <clears throat> this story. It comes from a book entitled Integrity. Uh, where the author Ted Engstrom tells a story uh, about a basketball coach named Cleveland Stroud. And this is what he wrote. For Coach Stroud and his basketball team of Rockdale County High School in Georgia, it was their championship season. 21 wins and 5 losses on the way to the Georgia State ba- Basketball Tournament. They ended up winning every postseason game, including a dramatic come-from-behind victory in the state finals to become state champions. But today, the new glass trophy case outside the high school gymnasium is empty because several months after the end of the basketball season, the Georgia High School Association deprived Rockdale High School of the championship after officials from the school sent a notice to the league that a player who was scholastically ineligible had played 45 seconds in the first of the school's five postseason games. Coach Stroud explained this. He said, we didn't know that he was ineligible at the time that we put him in the game. We didn't know it until a few weeks ago. Some people have said that we should have just kept quiet about it. It was only 45 seconds that he played, and the player wasn't even an impact player. But you've got to do what's honest and right and what the rules say. I told my team, now listen to this, he says, I told my team that people forget the scores of basketball games. They don't ever forget what you're made of. There's a man of integrity. And I'd like to read this psalm with you this evening, Psalm 26. We'll read the entire psalm here. A psalm of David. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, nor the will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers, and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, and whose hands is mischief and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. So the theme of the psalm is indicated in the very very first verse where the psalmist David says, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. And he actually comes back to that same Uh, theme again in verse 11 as he gets to the end of the psalm, and he says, but as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. What is integrity? The Hebrew word means to be complete, but it can also have the meaning of moral 
and ethical soundness. In this latter sense, it's used to describe someone who is mature, morally innocent and upright, blameless. Uh, Merriam-Webster gives this definition for the English word integrity. It is the quality of impeccable honesty and an unwillingness to compromise. It is someone who clearly knows the meaning of the word duty. Therefore, a person of integrity places himself under the moral obligation to do what is good and right as his duty, no matter what others choose to do, and no matter what others may think of him. And again, in that, that basketball coach was a fantastic uh, example of ethical integrity. And so a Christian of integrity is a person of his word, even when it hurts. Is that the kind of man, woman, young person that you are or would like to be? Are you a Christian of integrity? And so the challenge from this psalm that we see tonight is that we ought to be Christians of integrity. And David, what he does is he kind of lays out a number of characteristics of what that should look like in the Christian life. And there's going to be eight that we're going to identify here this evening. And so the first characteristic that we find is in verse number one, a Christian of integrity places his trust in God. Verse number one, says, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. So, a person of integrity places his trust in God. That's where it all starts, right? Because not only is it God who teaches us what is good and right, but it is also God who promises to honor those who walk in integrity according to His standard. Therefore, even when others around us may do wrong, a Christian of integrity will do what's right, trusting God to bless him for his uprightness, which is why David says, therefore, I shall not slide. I know the Lord will bless and honor and keep me if I do what's right in his eyes. Now, David, the author of the psalm, is a great example of this, right? Uh, when his soldiers were pushing him to kill King Saul, David committed his ways to God. He trusted God and did not give in to vengeance, even though many of his close friends around him were pushing him to do that very thing. And so God honored that. And of course, we know God raised up David above everyone. A person of integrity recognizes what's, what's, what purpose is there to to cheat or to steal or to cut corners or to compromise when I know that God is watching over, when I know that God is going to provide, when I know God will bless and I can trust Him. And so a person of integrity knows he can trust God in every situation and every decision that he needs to make. The um, Christian author, Stuart Briscoe, tells about an experience when he was uh, being hired at a bank. He was young, and he was just learning the business. Uh, But one day, his new boss called him in the office and told him, he said, listen, if if Mr. So-and-so calls for me, tell him that I'm out. And so, Briscoe replied and said, uh, oh, are you planning to go somewhere? And uh, the boss snapped and said, no, I just don't want to speak to him, so tell him that I'm out. 
So Briscoe went a step further and said, now let me make sure I understand. Um, do you want me to lie for you? At that, the boss blew up, right? And uh, he was outraged. So Briscoe just prayed silently, and then he added, he said, you know, boss, you should be glad, because if I won't lie for you, isn't it safe to assume that I won't lie to you? That's a man of integrity, right? So, a man of integrity trusts God. Second characteristics, a Christian of integrity is transparent, desiring to grow closer to God. This Christian has nothing to hide. Look at verse number 2. David goes on and says, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. He's asking God to reveal any hidden sin, anything where he um, is not being upright before God as he ought to be. And so this kind of Christian prefers being brought under conviction now and seizing the opportunity to repent rather than being brought under chastisement later because of wrong choices and a hardened heart. And so this is the Christian who is much more concerned about the beam in his own eye than the speck in the eyes of others. I mean, just notice the terms that David uses here, okay, when he says, judge me, examine me, prove me. This kind of Christian doesn't shy away from a thorough examination of his life. To the contrary, he recognizes the importance of sitting under preaching and teaching, which will cause him to examine himself. He wants God to mold him and to prune him and to refine him that he might become everything that God wants him to be. That's integrity in God's eyes. Another characteristic that we see is a Christian of integrity lives by God's revealed truth. Because we know that in order to even define integrity, only God can, can uh, identify exactly what is good and right and morally acceptable. And so in verse number 3, David says this, For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. So again, David knew that it is only by the grace of God that we can follow his commandments and walk in his truth. But he never lost sight of the fact that God's love is displayed in his commandments. God's loving kindness is displayed through his word and through his promises. And so if we always keep, like David says here, if we always keep before our eyes the fact that God's love for us is absolutely perfect, then we'll realize how foolish it is to not walk in his truth. If God loves us and always wants what's best for us and knows how to define exactly what is best, then it behooves us to walk according to his truth. Now notice the emphasis here is to walk in truth, as David says, not just to know truth. Of course, truth needs to be known in order to walk in it, okay? So truth unknown can never be truth obeyed. And so, therefore, Christians of integrity spend time regulating God's Word. Appreciate it again what Pastor John was sharing about these young people, how they're trying this program means to instill these uh, good habits in the lives of these young people. And yet, as older people, we can get away from those habits real easily, right? 
And so we need to be convinced of the importance of staying in God's Word, having that regular time in the Word of God to know what God's commandments and promises are, to know what God's truth is so that we can walk in integrity as God defines it. Fourth characteristic, a Christian of integrity separates himself from sinners. Verses 4 and 5, David says this, I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. And so, as this individual is seeking to live according to God's truth, is seeking to trust God and be a Christian who's transparent and being molded by God, it is anathema to him to think of sitting among and spending time with and, and hanging out with those who either hate God or hate His commandments. It's unthinkable that a Christian of integrity would spend time in that kind of a context with vain persons, dissemblers, another word for hypocrites, evildoers, the wicked, he says, those who are quick to, to shed blood. But listen, a person who does not hate evil cannot truly love what is good and right. A Christian who hangs out with sinners and hypocrites will often end up being obviously more influenced by them than he does influence them and will in many cases reap the same bitter fruit. David was concerned about that. Look a little further on in verses 9 and 10 where David says, I know if I, if I, if I spend time in that kind of a context... It's going to take me down the wrong path. And so he says in verses 9 and 10, Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. And so he recognized the importance, again, of keeping that separation in order to not be affected by the choices of those who do not love God. I think oftentimes of uh, Christian young people who you know, or maybe inclined sometimes to hang out with unsaved uh, teen friends, and uh, maybe they don't do the exact same things that those friends do, but maybe they go to the parties together, they choose they're not going to drink or get drunk, but they go to the parties and end up, they're driving home with a, you know, an unsaved friend who got drank too much and loses control of the car, and, and there's an accident, and that young teen is put in danger just as much as the unsaved teen friends he was with. That's kind of what David was concerned about how that could have influence and impact in our lives when we spend time with the wrong type of people. On the other hand, if we do hate sin as we ought to, then we'll just find no pleasure in the company of evildoers. And so although we're called to live in the world, we'll be careful to not befriend the world and its anti-God, materialistic, you know, hedonistic philosophy. In fact, by hanging out with the ungodly, we are actually giving a certain sense of approval to their ungodly deeds. And we're actually encouraging them to continue along the same path of sin when we should be denouncing the evil they're involved in and inviting them to turn to God. I think often the passage in Ephesians chapter 5 where it says that we should not fellowship with uh, the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather we should reprove them, the Bible says. So a Christian of integrity will not only know how to keep that separation, but also as he does encounter evil, 
be willing to take a stand for what is right and denounce what is wrong. A fifth characteristic that we see in the text here, a Christian of integrity brings his offering to God with a pure heart. And in verse number 6, David goes on and says, I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord. That expression, I will compass thine altar, uh, apparently refers to the practice of the priest to walk around the altar as the offering was being consumed by fire. And in some cases, the worshipers would uh, also circle the altar as their offering was being poured out upon it. And so, a Christian of integrity is very mindful, never forgets the sacrifice that God has provided for his sins to be forgiven, for him to be redeemed, that he might be cleansed. Um, Look in verse number 11. Uh, David comes back on that a little bit later. He says in verse number 11, uh, as for me, I walk in my integrity, redeem me and be merciful unto me. He was very conscious of the offering that was being put on the altar for him that he might be redeemed, that he might be forgiven. And so the upright Christian recognizes that obedience is worth more than sacrifice before God, and therefore our offerings are without value if we cannot lift up clean hands to a holy and just God. And so this kind of Christian won't sell out. He won't compromise his obedience for some personal gain. That's why he says, I'll come to thine altar with, and lift up my, I'm sorry, wash my hands in innocency, he says. He refuses to sacrifice his Christian character on the altar of pragmatism and some personal advantage. He brings his offering to God with a pure heart. Um, question could be asked, what does it take to keep you from doing right, from taking a position for God, for standing up for truth? Um, there was a survey taken some years ago, and uh, I don't come up with these ideas, but uh, somebody came up with the idea to pose this question to Americans. So they said, what are you willing to do for $10 million? And then they gave them a certain number of choices, right? And uh, the shocking thing is that two-thirds, two-thirds of Americans who were polled would hypothetically agree to at least one, in some cases several, of the following. And so here you go. 25% said they would abandon their church in order to get, receive $10 million. 23% said they would become prostitutes for a week. 16% said they would leave their spouse 7% said they would kill a stranger. (laughs) Makes you wonder a little bit about the people that you live in your neighborhood, right? Um, If they answer that poll or not. But um, the shocking figures, okay, that people would be willing to compromise in some serious and significant areas of their lives for some monetary advantage. The very opposite of how the Bible defines integrity. As we move on to the sixth characteristic in the text, a Christian of integrity is bold to proclaim the wondrous works of God. It kind of goes hand in hand again with what we're saying about separating from sin at the same time that Christian is, is, uh, is glad to announce the wondrous works of God. Look what he says in verse number seven. He says, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Now, notice the word 
publish that's used here, okay? We should proclaim, proclaim boldly, joyfully the praises of God, whether it's before unsaved individuals or whether it's here at church. shouldn't make any difference. The magnitude of God's wondrous works should be enough to overcome any sense of shyness, any sense of timidity that we might have. I mean, do we believe that our God is amazing? Yes, certainly. So we should say so. We shouldn't hesitate to proclaim it, it says, to publish it before others. And if we struggle with that, um, that uh, nature of that shy nature, the timid nature, then pray to God for boldness to be able to speak out and to share God's wondrous works. And so what are, what are some of the things that a Christian of integrity should be talking about? I mean, the text lays it out for us, okay? He says, words of thanksgiving and the mighty works of God. So things that we're thankful for, blessings that we've received, answers to prayer, uh, God's awesome work in creation, lives that have been transformed, souls that have been saved. I mean, each of us should be able to make a long list of God's wondrous works that we have witnessed in our own lives. And these are the things, the Bible says, that should fill our mouths and that we should be speaking about wherever we go as a Christian of integrity. Number seven, a Christian of integrity loves being in God's house. As we read verse number eight, David says, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. And so David recognized that faithfulness to God's house is a key to being an upright Christian. In fact, I don't know of any Christian who became all that he could be for the Lord who was not faithful to God's house. I mean, they go hand in glove. And David recognized that. Now, our motivation for coming to church shouldn't be to, you know, just see friends or to hear, you know, some special speaker, but it says to bring honor to God. That's what David says. I have loved the habitation of thy house, the place where thine honor dwelleth. And so, this is the place where God's honor dwelleth. Think about God. Now, think about that, that statement. Therefore, to neglect the Lord's house is to disgrace, do disgrace to His honor, right? But David recognized that that was such an, a key part to his walk with the Lord. Uh, while we were serving uh, as missionaries in France, uh, it was always such a blessing, such an encouragement when there would be uh, Christians from the States or from other countries, but often from the States, friends, whoever would come to France, and, or random Christians that would come to France, and um, they'd be passing through our town. And they maybe would only be in our town for a day or for a weekend, but if it happened to be a Sunday, on numerous occasions, we had Christians who would contact us and say, when is your church service? We want to be there. And we'd say to them, well, you know, everything's in French, right? So do you speak French? Well, no, but we just feel it's important to be in God's house. And oftentimes, these are people, they only were in France for a week or something, and they could have spent that day, you know, going to the Normandy beaches or going to visit time, you know, spend time in Paris. 
And they felt it was important to be in God's house. So they couldn't understand a word. And they come and sit through a pretty long Sunday morning service and uh, do the best they could to, you know, follow along in the songs or whatever and, and to just show their joy in the Lord. But what a tremendous testimony that it was to the young believers of our church to see Christians who, though they couldn't understand hardly a word that was said, realized that it was important to be in God's house on the Lord's day. And um, David understood that, and so that was a huge part of his walk with God. Finally, the last characteristic that we see in the text here, a Christian of integrity winds up leading a stable and consistent life. Uh, Notice uh, verse number 12 as David finishes the psalm. He says, My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. My foot standeth in an even place. There's stability when a person commits their ways to the Lord. When you go through these characteristics, okay, um, one who trusts God, one who is transparent and wants God to, to grow them and to mold them, one who lives according to God's revealed truth, etc., etc., stays away from sinners, denounces evil, stands up for truth. When a person commits to that kind of life, their life ends up being a stable life. Like David expresses, my foot standeth in an even place. Or as he said earlier on, he said in verse number one, therefore I shall not slide. His life is not a series of highs and lows, of periods of revivals followed by periods of backsliding and, and discouragement, but rather a life of stability faithfulness, perseverance. So often, uh, as my wife and I get to work with some of the young children who come into the church on, on the church vans and things, and they come from, uh, from homes that are anything but stable, uh, broken homes and, and just messed up homes. But the kids are willing to come here, and the parents are willing, willing to let them come and, uh, but one of our prayers and our hopes is that those kids will end up having a very different life than the one they knew growing up. And it's exciting to me to think how God is able to change them and put them on a completely different path as they learn to know God and to follow His truth and to see people like you, to observe you and see how you are walking and living out your Christian life. And so a Christian of integrity knows that the way of sin is a slippery slope and therefore chooses to place his feet in the path of righteousness which will gain him stability and sureness in order to have a solid foundation for his life. Uh, Robert 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 E. Lee was quoted as saying, do your duty in all things. You cannot do more. You should never wish to do less. It's a good statement. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so as we finish uh, the study of the psalm here tonight, David uh, ends with this phrase, In the congregations will I bless the Lord. So not only does a Christian of integrity not forsake the various meetings of the church, but much more than that, he desires to be a blessing. 
He desire, his desire is to speak blessing and to be a blessing. In fact, in Peter, Peter says that we're called to be a blessing. That's part of our calling as a Christian. And that's what a Christian of integrity does, whether by our heartfelt singing or by our fervent prayers or by kind words of encouragement. Each of us has something valuable to contribute every time we step foot in this building, every time that we gather with other believers We have something valuable to contribute that will bless others and bring honor to God. But only if we are Christians of integrity. And so let us seek to be those kind of believers, those kind of men and women that David lays out by inspiration in this psalm here for us tonight. May that be our prayer that God would teach us what integrity is in His eyes and to seek that goal to honor Him.